Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today. We're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America, and we are an independent church. And we will start this morning with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 19 to 20, just excerpts from that, of Divinity Course in General Collectania, and also a very small excerpt from Unity of Good, page 2. All we have to do is one thing, keep the first commandment. Thou shalt have none other gods before beside me. Infinite mind, and that is infinite love. There is no evil mind that sweeps away error. There is infinite mind, good. Infinity is all. There is no other intelligence, life or love. Now work out your problem from this standpoint. If we do not keep the first, we cannot keep the second to love one another. If you love not man, your brother, whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? You only love God as far as you love man. The true man, really saved, is ready to testify of God in the infinite penetration of truth and can affirm that the mind which is good of God has no knowledge of sin. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful and perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, the watching point. Watch number 289. Watch lest you regard sickness as a direct result of wrong thinking. The direct effect of wrong thinking is to shut one off in belief from God. And since health is sustained by mind, the loss of mind means the loss of health. The remote cause of sickness is the error that causes one to let go of God. But the exciting cause is the absence of scientific right thinking. Since there cannot be a vacuum, wrong thinking always takes place of right thinking when the latter goes. Thus, one helpful way to circumvent this subtlety is to regard sickness as caused not by wrong thinking, but by the absence of right thinking. Then one will not cease his efforts until right thinking has been restored. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, comments on this. Oh. <laughs> well, made me think of what Mrs. Eddy says about pouring in truth through flood tides of love. You know, that idea of, you know, if they're, from the standpoint of this watch, that's that's the antidote is reconnecting, you know, reorienting with God and pouring in truth. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing that it made me think of is like we tend to, when something goes wrong, we're trying to figure out, well, what caused this and what did that? And, and we stop reaffirming what is the truth by going down these rabbit holes and stuff. And I thought this was a really good way of going, no, you get got to get back to God. <laughs> good point. Thank you. Right. And in doing so, when we go down that rabbit hole, we give reality to wrong thinking. Right. When in reality, it has no power. It has no reality. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like serving God and mammon if we're saying what thinking caused this and at the same time knowing that God is the only cause. Exactly. I like what it says that it, a, mind, a mind is already imbued, I'm paraphrasing, a mind already imbued with truth has no space for the error. Right? So why we don't, we don't do the first? Or you know, get in the habit of thinking good, thinking right. Therefore, there will be no space for the, the light to come and, and fill that space. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Reminded me of what Mary said many times, that there must be a falling away first. Yes. Before these yeah. things happen. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't ever just wake up depressed as I found in my own life. You know, you, you've been indulging in depressing thoughts <laughs> or are you even sick? You know, you've allowed these things to come into your thinking unchecked, unchallenged. That's why we have to always be alert and awake and working never off guard, never absent from your post because the vacuum will always be filled with something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, and then, and you should all know this well, what our leader says in miscellany. Beloved Christian scientists, keep your minds so filled with truth and love that sin, disease, and death cannot enter them. It is plain that nothing can be added to the mind already full. There is no door through which evil can enter and no space for evil to fill in a mind filled with goodness. Good thoughts are an impervious armor. Clad therewith, you are completely shielded from the attacks of error of every sort. And not only yourselves are safe, but all whom your thoughts rest upon are thereby benefited. And then it goes, the self-seeking pride of the evil thinker injures him when he would harm others. Goodness involuntarily involuntarily resists evil. The evil thinker is the proud talker and doer. The right thinker abides under the shadow of the Almighty. His thoughts can only reflect peace, good, will towards men, health, and holiness. So, you know, these little ways, these little foxes that spoil the vine, when you start thinking selfish thoughts, prideful thoughts, they come in maybe seemingly naturally, and the next thing you know, you've got a, you've got a, yourself a muddle to work out. <laughs> so guard those thoughts. Ask yourself regularly, 
Am I, am I in the right mind? Am I thinking loving, peaceful thoughts or not? Because when you're not, you're liable to all kinds of things to come. But this is, as she says, it's an impervious armor. And I, I loved it. Uh, Jeremy did the watch last night, but that quote from Watch's Prayers and Arguments, watch, no fear of mortal mind. It has no power over us. We have full confidence in divine mind, for it is all, and there is none other. That's where we stand on that, and that is the truth. There's no, there's no other mind, <laughs> but it's the most... I remember years ago in, in one of Mrs. Evans' classes, we talked about this. Perhaps it's the most challenging because it seems like there are all these many minds, right? All the time you see it. So you have to keep coming back to the truth and making sure your thought is not barbed with pride, jealousy, resentment, whatever it might be, which would be what the human mind is. And also, uh, you know, on, on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff, they, they call those people on there influencers. <laughs> how are they influencing you? Yes. And that's why our next um, liberator is going to be an influence all divine. An influence all divine. Make sure you're having that, only that one influence. And you know what is such a, a daily treatment are the three daily duties. All of it addresses this. That's why we work with them very diligently. Every Each one of them addresses this. And um, it shall be the duty of every member of this church to pray each day, thy kingdom come. Let the reign of divine truth, life, and love be established in me and rule out of me all sin. And may thy word enrich the affections of all mankind and govern them. Such a beautiful prayer. And then neither animosity nor mere personal attachment should impel the motives of, or the acts of the members of the Mother Church. And science, divine love alone governs man. I mean, you, you go on. And it's interesting, too, that the first of the sweet amenities of love is rebuking sin. You must, you must be willing to rebuke the sin. And then alertness to duty. Defend yourself daily against aggressive mental suggestions. It's all these ways that it would get you out of that one mind, that divine mind that is love and peace and joy. Take you down a, yeah, who said it, a rabbit's hole. The divine mind that we're supposed to have full confidence in. Full confidence in because it is the only mind. There is no other. And then the golden text. Romans. With one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. And again, Jeremy used that in, our, in, the, in the watch message, which was very good. Um, how important, how, how much this is emphasized, this one mind. Um, in the statement from 
This is Eddie's prayer given in the, at the Metaphysical College, Massachusetts Metaphysical College, 1889, which is in miscellaneous writings. We today in this classroom are enough to convert the world if we are of one mind, for then the whole world will feel the inherent the influence, again, influence of this mind. As when the earth was without form, and man spake, and form appeared. She emphasizes this many times, this idea of being together in the one mind. It's very important that we are. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we think if, if just a group of us, with us, we can't agree and be in the one mind. I mean, it seems like there wouldn't be hope for anybody. <laughs> so, and what keeps you in that one mind is love. Love with a capital L that also includes principle. And also having that living water that's coming up in you. Yes. You know, we are, we're not, we're not all looking to one person to guide us through this. Yes. We're all looking to the one mind and that keeps us together. If we look to the one mind, we'll come up with the same answers. We will be in accord. Um, well, and to be of one mind means don't be double-minded, right? <laughs> it, I mean, what does it mean, you know, to, for a person to be double-minded? Yeah, you think someone who worships God some of the time, and then someone who worships the uh, the effect of God's goodness, the loaves and the fishes, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you worship the loaves and the fishes, you're not of one mind. So this is you know this is. This is for us as a group to be of one mind, but it's also in order for that to work, we individually have to be of one mind. And that's a tough one. It's easy to yes, worship. Okay. Or, to, or to worship, you know, again, what we're talking about, pride, all of these ego, the self sense. You dip in and out of the science. It's it's hypocritical when you're that way. You're one way. You're this way. You present a false picture to others, and then you go home and you act in a different way. You can't do that. It has to be this seamless garment. Go ahead. Who was speaking? Well, I was going to say, isn't that where that one mouth from the golden text comes into play, that we just try to be in correspondence with what we say Thank to you. what that one mind is saying. Right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And Voicing truth. <laughs> Voicing truth and love. Yes. In retrospection and introspection, Mrs. Eddy says, the spiritually minded meet on the stairs which lead up to spiritual love. This affection, so far from being personal worship, fulfills the law of love which Paul enjoined upon the Galatians, this is the mind which was also in Christ Jesus. 
and knows no material limitations. It is the unity of good and bond of perfectness. This just affection serves to constitute the mind healer, a wonder worker, as of old on the Pentecost day when the disciples were of one accord. And then in miscellany, and this is um, Ways That Are Vain, which is the article that follows what our leader says. And it's very important, as we, we talked about last week, Ingrid brought it up, Ways That Are Vain, that you know these two articles well. But in Ways That Are Vain, she says, the question is often asked, why is there so much dissension among mental practitioners? We answer, because they do not practice in strict accordance with the teaching of Christian science mind healing. If they did, there would be unity of action, being like the disciples of old with one accord in one place. They would receive a spiritual influx, impossible under other conditions, and so would recognize and resist the animal magnetism by which they are being deceived and misled. That, my friends, is one powerful paragraph. It's most important that we are in strict accordance with, with the teachings of Mrs. Eddy and the Bible, and this is why we study it. And one of it is just what we were talking about, um, being hypocritical or you know, saying one thing and doing something else. Or as Mrs. Evans used to call behind closed doors, which is you're hiding, you're doing things and you're hiding them. You're not being upfront and honest. I've seen, I've seen a very good worker who became that way, was not upfront and honest, was doing things secretively. And it, it took him out. He was hiding it because I'm sure he knew it was wrong. But you shouldn't have any secrets. Your conscience should be clear. There are some things, of course, it's nobody else's business. <laughs> you don't have to tell everybody everything. Mm. But certainly our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be open with and not have any what they call hidden agendas. Hidden agendas are not a good thing. Be open. And if you think you need a hidden agenda, then you better question what that hidden agenda is and probably stop it. And and she goes on in that um, beautiful article about is it is it bringing you closer to those in Christ or is it taking you away from it, from them? And and the voice, you know, you'll have a voice. Uh, you, you'll think that right is wrong and wrong is right. The, the voice, it turns everything upside down. Everything t gets turned upside down, and, and that's how it works. So it's a most important article. I know Florence loves it, too. <laughs> yeah. So, Very much. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it'll keep you safe. You should work with it and study it and not let these voices of division come in. And if they do, to be open and honest about and say, hey, I have a question, this bothers me, or whatever, rather than just go into secret and let it gnaw at you till you don't know right from wrong. But if, oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. 
No, the the you know era can be so tricky. I mean, it can turn everything like you said before. It can make things so opposite, the same thing, but turn so upside down that you believe what you you know, you're supposed to be seeing is correct. It's not. It's embarrassing. It's been embarrassing for me when I've thought a certain way and. It's completely different. It has nothing to do with anything. So pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And if we have humility, we will not take it personally, right? Right. We will turn on a dime. Admit the error, learn the mistake, learn from the mistake, and, and move on. And seeing the times that we ourselves have done it, we can have compassion on others who are having it right now. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you do what you can to wake them up. Uh, often when people are in that state of mind, though, they're in a state of great resistance as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. They, they're on this road and they're taking it and don't, don't try to stop them. Mm. But that, that's when mentally to know that they have the mind of Christ. There's only one mind. There can be no other influence. That's how we pray. And she brings out in that statement in miscellany that when we pray together like that, together in unity, which we, you know, we work to do this on our unity watches. Are we perfect about it? No, but, but at least working at it and, there can be this great spiritual influx that will let you know the animal magnetism that is trying to separate or divide. It'll come. So, you know, it was wonderful in that book of Acts how the, the, all those Christians came together, right? Yeah. In one word. Yes. And they did grand things and tremendous healing went on. There's great power in unity. That's different than mesmerized masses. This is the unity with, with Christ's truth. And in that uh, Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which is a very important statement. In the Amplified Version, I didn't bring it, but the Amplified Version brings out the mind of Christ. One of the chief characteristics of it is humility which is what Gary was saying. You've got to, in Florence, you've got to have that humility so you will change. You will turn on a dime if need be. I think also the fact that she, he, she uses infinite a lot with mind. I mean, that's all there is really, infinite mind. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And omniscience, right? Mm-hmm. All, all knowledge, all knowing, all. All power. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to take a moment um, for a couple of things. We did have a wonderful um, Bible study yesterday. And I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for Thomas. Uh, very timely. If you didn't attend, you should listen. Uh, and I found out since then that on the, I guess, do you know if it's the, the original church or the extension? But I believe it's the original. In the original church, we think, there is actually this beautiful stained glass picture of 
Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Um, hmm. Which shows the, the high importance she placed on this story. Because there were so many lessons. There were a lot more lessons in that than I realized. Um, and Jeremy is going to put it on the carousel. So you can all see it. Maybe we'll keep it up there because it is a beautiful picture. And also, <laughs> we mentioned Thomas um, quoted a beautiful hymn, number 34, at the beginning of the Bible study. And it was by a Marion Susan Campbell. And we were discussing that name Marion because it's spelled M-A-R-I-O-N, which is an unusual spelling. And I knew that it had some significance. Um, and I knew that Mrs. Eddy's mother, Alice White, took class from her, Marion Susan. Mrs. Evans. Oh, what did I say? Mrs. Mrs. Evans' mother, Alice White, took class from Marion Susan Campbell. Also that Mrs. Evans named her daughter Marion, all with the O spelling. And it, I knew there was something important about that name. And then in retrospection, in introspection, Mrs. Eddy says, I think it's on page one, that her great-grandmother's name was Marion Moore. Remember that? And it's M-A-R-I-O-N. And that she had a daughter named Marion McNeil, who eventually became Marion McNeil. Neil Baker. So that was her, what was it, her paternal grandparents or something. So so that's why that name rang a bell, Marion with an O, the unusual spelling. I, I thought maybe it was in the Bible, but probably not. But anyway, it was, it was that connection. So, and this Marion Susan Campbell, dear Carrie found a, a lot of poems and things she wrote and sent to us. We were kind of trying to research find out a little more about her but we couldn't find out too much anyway so i just wanted to add that to the bible study <laughs> well thank you yeah yeah this beautiful subject yes on mind this week and let's see let's begin with nancy what you sent me yes i um <clears throat> sent but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness, that's Matthew 6, uh, to seek, go in search, or quest of, and in scripture, to ask for his favor, direction, and assistance. And I found in uh, a commentary called Daily Verse, God, is, God in his grace invites us to live a life that is free from worry and devoid of anxiety by seeking first the kingdom of God and the righteousness with which we are clothed when we trust in him for salvation. We are to first be concerned about God's kingdom and his righteousness. And when we have the right priorities, all these other things will be provided for us as well. Worry entraps the heart and fear fractures faith, which can cause a believer to spiral down into a pit of despair. But God also knows that we have daily needs and has given many precious promises throughout Scripture that he will be the provider of all the needs and the supplier of all the necessities of life if we will but trust in him. 
Instead of seeking first the things of this world through our own effort, we are urged to seek him first, to develop a right perspective, to exchange natural thinking for godly thinking. So as we trust him to fulfill his promise to provide our needs, remembering that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, let us take the words of Jesus to heart to seek him first and make him our main focus today and every day. Love that. <laughs> no, isn't that beautiful? Yes. Um, and being at one time in my life quite the worrier, it took a it took a lot to, to drop that bad habit. Um, but as I became more aware that I was worrying, then uh, you say, okay, well, you're not in the right mind. It's not anything to do with God. And then you get back, as this, as this little article, I guess you'd call it, says, you get back to turning to God, trusting in God. The Bible says be anxious for nothing or be careful for nothing, but the interpretation is anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give thanks. Turn your thought to God. Pray. So remember, if you start to worry, stop it and pray instead. If trouble disciplining your thought, I used to write things down. What's the truth about the situation? You know, you're worried about your child or something. Well, what is the truth about this child? What does God say? And influence all divine. Yes. Um, we've. Carol has put in the magazine an article about a mother whose child was uh, not doing it all well in school and, and uh, seemed to be like it was going to become a problem. But she turned to science and she used the, the idea that the one attraction being spirit. And she worked with just that thought. And, and this child completely turned around, I think, became an honor student. Right. It was. Yes. Yeah. So. But if you worry, you know, it's so, again, the rabbit hole, yes. Oh, and then you put them in special classes and you, oh, my gosh. And then he's got this and that. We've got two teachers here. <laughs> and then he thinks he's dumb forever. Yeah, and then, and then he gets labeled. And so if you can nip all that in the bud, that's one example of worry. Um, when I uh, was working with my practitioner here, at Plainfield, I worked in a room with special needs children as an aide, and I'll never forget the power of that truth. I would, every lunch hour, I would go and sp and call in uh, to uh, to the pra my practitioner, and things would change. Uh, the room could have been total chaos, and I would come back, and it it would be completely calm, peaceful. I saw a child in there, labeled with all kinds of things, couldn't learn couldn't focus, was aggressive. And during this time, this child's behavior turned around. He became a learner and his aggression diminished. And, uh, and, and all of it was the power of prayer. There was no human effort. And uh, so I, that's always stayed with me. Very Thank you. Powerful. Yeah, yeah, because children are so naturally receptive to truth. I know when our son was little, he in kindergarten, um, the teacher told me he had to take kindergarten again. I was like devastated. Oh my 
gosh, this kid can't even pass kindergarten. What in the world? What have I done wrong? And oh, it's just the worst thing. I'm embarrassed to some degree to admit this. I remember feeling embarrassed later on when you realize how stupid you can be. But but she had asked the class, who wants to learn to read? And everybody raised their hand, but Doug or something. So anyway, but now you can't, you have to pull a book out of that boy's hand. He loves to read. And it was so foolish of me to, to act that way, to be embarrassed. That was my pride. And and to carry on the way, I, and I tried to keep it secret, but it was there. And it was my pride. And that was awful. It was awful. And I had to learn and see how awful it is. And so, well, anyway, those those are some examples of of what we're talking about here, worrying needlessly. And what is that saying? Worry is about something that never happens anyway. But turn your thought back to God. Worrying about your health, you can create yourself into a real muddle with that. That's malpractice, right? It's malpractice, yeah. Thank you. On yourself. Go ahead, Sari. I was just going to say, I've been working with a lot of kids who are very worried that because one girl was deported, her family, and they were pretty integrated. And so today, somebody said, please come help me with Christian science. And I could have just stayed at home and just prayed, but I humanly got on the idea of taking the bus. But while I was on the bus, I started listening to the hymns on my iPhone, and I said, whatever God wants me to do, I will do. If this person really wants this, I will give it, but I will be here for this meeting today. Nothing will keep me from it today. So I, this is going to help me also when I have to talk to my um, coordinator about my classes because I have to know God teaches these classes and God loves these children. And there are no labeled children just like there are no labeled people. That's wonderful, Zari, and, and how wonderful you are there to know this truth for them. And that's what you all are all around the world that are listening to this and, and partaking of our website and learning this science of, of the Christ. You are watchtowers wherever you are. You're seeing the truth about the situation. And that is healing because always remember this is the only power there is. But all this other is not a power. That's why it can disappear so quickly. There's no power. We give it all the life it seems to have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and remember, this was something Mrs. Evans would tell us too, and I know Gary's spoken to it, that the human mind is what? Killer. A killer. Yeah. And you can see in these examples, you, you get all worked up about something, your worry, you're in the wrong mind, or you, you hate, you're jealous, you go, you know, and it just gets into your bigger and bigger. <laughs> yes. Bigger and bigger, and, and Mrs. Eddie talks about hatred being a plague spot, which what? Kills it. Kills it. Spreads its virus and kills it last. Yes, it does. You don't want to go there. Not fun, but you see, you've you've left the father's house and gotten into this Adam dream, and it, it will. Now, all of this is a dream. Remember that. So you see all this going on. It's not the truth. It seems real. It feels real. It 
looks real, still not the truth. And you can prove it's not the truth, but you get to a point when, as a Christian scientist, why even go there? All the bells and whistles should be going off if you start to feel jealous or angry or hurt. Any of the self, self-justification, self-pity, self-love. Those are all bells. No, no, no. No, get back into the Father's house and stay there. I think it was Dick Nell Young that said, if you're bothered by a feeling, get rid of the feeling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if your feelings get hurt. Get rid of the feeling. Or get rid of your, yeah, get rid of your feelings. Misha Ela sent in something interesting, uh, referring to whether it's easier to say, thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. And she was bringing out the point, most people want to rise up and walk, but a lot of people don't really want to deal with their sins. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, it must be, right? Uh, it must be. First, the sins are forgiven you, then rise up and walk. And she quotes Matthew Henry. How many are there in our assemblies where the gospel is preached who do not sit under the word, but sit by? It is to them as a tale that is told them, not as a message that is sent to them. Observe the duties taught and recommended to us by the history of the paralytic. In applying to Christ, we must be very pressing and urgent. That is an evidence of faith and is very pleasing to Christ and prevailing with him. Give us, Lord, the same kind of faith with respect to thy ability and willingness to heal our souls. Give us to desire the pardon of sin more than any earthly blessing or life itself. Enable us to believe thy power to forgive sins. Then, when, then will our souls cheerfully arise and go where thou pleasest. That's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Pray for the willingness to accept maybe you've been sinful and to get over it. And then, then you will get up and arise out of your bed. So remember that and be willing to be cleansed of whatever is holding you back. All right, Shardell. Oh, this is all possible because God is always talking to us hmm. and uh, from our lesson. Christ is the true idea, voicing good, the divine message from God to men, speaking to the human consciousness. And uh, can I say his name? Parthens? Yeah. Parthens wrote an article in 2014. And it says, God to earth, God to earth, come in, please. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> and I would just like to read a little bit at the end of, of the article. And then uh, it says, may God help me to in interrupt myself, to consecrate every moment, every breath, from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, to the task of surrendering giving up possession of a little more of the earthly kingdom of self-expressing selfhood, that every surrender position may be in God's possession and thus translated into Christ expressing selfhood. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a great article. 
Um, and it is on our website. He wrote a lot of wonderful things. Uh, he also, and I know I've read this to you before, but I think it's so beautiful. He's bringing out this example with Handel, wrote the Messiah. After Handel received the liberato to the Messiah, made up entirely of sacred scripture, he was inspired to take no action whatsoever, but instead decided to devote his attention to God for a season. As it turns out, Handel sat for three days in an altered state of consciousness without eating or drinking. He appeared to be so completely inactive that his servants, steeped in sense, became extremely concerned, thinking him dead. But thanks to a wise physician, no one touched him. Later, Handel testified that during those three days he had been taken to heaven, absent from the body and present with the Lord, in a state of continual Christ consciousness. After that experience, he wrote the massive score of the Messiah in just 21 days. He never charged a penny for any of the performances, insisting that the work was not his, that he was only the secretary of heaven's musical dictation. So beautiful. And you you know, this is what Mrs. Eddy did too, didn't she? Mm -hmm. She uh, kept away from society and just prayed and prayed. And she said she was a scribe under orders writing science and health. So you you have that ability to have that connection with the one mind, and it's powerful. And, and what greater thing is there to do? In the lesson, it says our master read mortal mind on a scientific basis, that of the omnipresence of mind. An approximation of this discernment discernment indicates spiritual growth and union with the infinite capacities of the one mind. Now, and that's, as Lawrence talks about a lot, it's very important, our oneness, demonstrate your oneness with God. Then you, you start your day off before you get out of bed. God is mind, God is my mind, God is the only pure and perfect mind. And you keep that with you all day. Don't come out of the Father's house. And in that Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, Carrie sent an article about God's way and, and speaking about the word let. Let means admit to allow, to give leave or power by a positive act. And it says that um, that little word appears in the first chapter of the book of Genesis 14 times and in our textbook over 90 times. Let. That was another thing Mrs. Evans would talk about. Let. Let. Because very often a sentence would start with let. And that let is important because by letting you are permitting and allowing this to come in to you. Your barriers are down. You're letting. So you have to let the mind of Christ be yours by getting yourself out of the way. There's that beautiful story. I know it's in Footsteps where um, Mrs. Eddy said, 
I don't know, she said something, but maybe it was with a spider. I don't know. But she said, well, that was Mary talking. Yeah. <laughs> and she did her, her best work when Mary was out of the way. And I love in spiritual footsteps, you know, there's a lot in there about the one mind. Um, in the chapter on wisdom versus the human mind, Carpenter writes, it is little wonder that the master was called the Lamb of God, since he was absolutely dependent on the divine mind for everything. His attitude of thought that brought divine reflection came through his willingness to give up every human dependence. He said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, Man must strip himself of all beliefs in human intelligence, self-confidence, time, and maturity, which carries with it pride, age, and decay, and return to the helplessness that the babe typifies in order to earn and win the guidance of God, whereby man is led into the promised land. So again, letting letting this mind come and, and be willing to give up this human sense of mind, and one of the hardest, and, and he speaks about this too, from the standpoint of Christian science, nothing that man gains with the human mind is real or permanent. Furthermore, if man is unwilling to put aside the old garment, he thereby precludes the possibility of getting the new one. It is the claim of pride that causes man to cling to the belief in self-derived and self-developed qualities. On page 201 in Science and Health, let us disrobe error. Then when the winds of God blow, we shall not hug our tatters close about us. One symptom of this era in, in these students was their attitude of mind in meeting with Mrs. Eddy as her equal. Whereas the more humble students sat at her feet as disciples, glad to be fed with the bread of heaven. And Mrs. Eddy says that, quote, God has worked through one in this age because he could. The light will come through the window because it will let it, while the wall will not. It would shine through the wall if it could, for God is no respecter of persons. Then would you say, the wall can let in the light the same as the window? No. Then does one person let in as much light as another? No. Can the one who lets in the light see what is best for others better than the one who does not? Yes. How do you know I am a window pane for the light to shine through? By the works. End quote. So she goes on. Um, Divine love knows his window and knows that it gives light, not darkness and is the means of love's entrance into the hearts of men. The wonder is that aught can make God's window seem to be what it is not. It was the doubt and ignorance of what Jesus was and did for all mankind that shut out and still shuts out the light of love. What if the window does offend the senses with the objects it reveals and the path it points out? It is love's window and love's revelation to mankind the good gaze at last with gratitude and joy on what they had not seen, but now see through that window that disturbed the senses, 
but pointed the way in science. Those are beautiful quotes from Mrs. Eddy. That book, Spiritual Footsteps, is a, such an important one to know, too. So let, let that... Is that from Spiritual Footsteps? Yes, it is. Yes. So let, let that light shine through you. And you see, who was it that stumbled or tried to get Mrs. Eddy into a nursing home? It was it was the male chauvinist thought that was <laughs> egotistical. And yeah, I know it. And you don't. You must have made an, uh, a loving mistake, they said, by putting the estoppel clauses in the manual. So very important that we not get into that mind. And that mind will cause problems in churches because they think they know everything and they're not in one accord with God. And they think they know better because of their intellectuality. And and someone has to be strong enough to silence that because it's a human mind. And if it enters the temple of God, it will create havoc. And people who are prideful about what they've accomplished, what they do, they'll they'll resist the other more simple thought. That's They're the ones that want to throw Jesus off the basic. cliff. They are. It's well known in the chosen. Well shown. So, and someone recently sent me, um, someone by the goes by Lady Shar. She sent me this article, Is Your Brain an, an Illusion? <laughs> by Deepak Chopra. Chopra. Mm-hmm. Chopra, yeah. And it says how, you know, how could these little, uh, how does a watery mass of organic chemicals manage to think? <laughs> <laughs> One time when I was a child, I, I healed myself of a bad headache just because I just learned in school that day that your brain is, what, 80% water? So I said, mm-hmm. how water be aching i mean that sounds so silly and it <laughs> so man is not made up of brain blood bones and other material elements no he's not and that beautiful and science and health in this week's lesson consciousness constructs a better body when faith in matter has been conquered correct material beliefs by spiritual understanding and spirit will form you anew so you just keep working on it, okay? Get Toss out those material th- things, thoughts. Get yourself aligned that your consciousness is in God. And you, your body, everything about you will be formed anew. And you will never fear again except to offend God. Wow. And you will never believe that the heart or any portion of the body can destroy you. What a damn lie. So uh, we are going to end with this beautiful story that Carrie sent to us, and I love. Entitled "Christ in You" by Maud V. Patterson from the 1916 um, journal. Journal. She writes <clears throat> in his epistle to the Colossians. Paul uses this expression: "Christ in You, the hope of glory." Again, he says in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is obvious that the mind which was in Jesus did not belong to him alone, was not his personal possession, or we would not 
be told to have the same mind in us. In proportion to our letting or allowing, therefore, will we express, as did Jesus, the mind of Christ. Jesus was the perfect channel because he knew absolutely the oneness and allness of mind and the consequent impossibility of the existence of minds many. Several years ago, when my little son was about two and a half years old, we had in our garden a quantity of beautiful sweet peas. The summer of that year was unusually warm, with intensely hot winds which seemed to scorch all vegetation. There had been no rain for weeks, and the sweet pea vines became so dried and brown and lifeless that I had determined to pull them up. The child listened carefully as I audibly voiced my regret that the hot sun and wind had destroyed the flowers. Without a moment's hesitation, he stretched out his hands toward them and said, Dear little sweet peas, the hot sun can't unbloom you because God is love. Then he ran away to his play, leaving the problem with God. That very day, the transformation began. And from the seemingly dried and brittle plants came forth green leaves and a profusion of the most beautiful blossoms. They were the wonder of the neighborhood, being the only flowers of the kind to survive. And they lasted until after the bitter frosts came. Reasoning from a material basis, everyone believes that the brain of a child two years old is not sufficiently developed to think deeply enough to make such statements. And all the human reasoning in the world has never of itself wrought the wonder of physical healing. Then I knew that the mind which was in Christ Jesus, which is the same yesterday and today and forever, reflected through the pure consciousness of this little one, had wrought the miracle. I realized, too, that when we children of a larger growth can sufficiently purify our thoughts and become as receptive as the child, we, too, will be perfect channels through which the divine principle or mind may be manifested. The understanding that intelligence is not dependent upon the development of the brain has brought a freedom never before experienced and an increasing gratitude for our, to our dear leader, Mrs. Eddy, who has made this understanding possible. Thank you. Become as a little child. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.